So this morning, um, like I said, I have the privilege of sharing the word, so you won't get to hear Pastor Mike this morning. And I want to start uh, by having everybody open their Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 4. And while you're turning there, a few things. Um, kids, I'll give you instructions in just a minute, okay? So stay where you're at. I'll give you instructions in just a minute. But before we get into the word, while you're turning there, uh, I wanted to say a couple of things. First, coming up in a few days is Reformation Wednesday. If you haven't been before, we gather up here uh, once a month on Wednesday nights. We believe it's important for us to get together outside of Sunday mornings to fellowship, pray, learn together. And we also eat together on those Wednesday nights. Food is good. And um, I think that is especially important while our life groups are kind of wrapping up for the summer as something for us to be able to get together with. So there is dinner. We will be buying food. So if you could sign up in the Church Center app so we know how many to expect, that would be great. Secondly, along the same lines, uh, over the summer, the Women's Bible Study is going to be meeting. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's going to start on June 7th at 10 a.m. and we'll continue to meet Monday mornings through the summer. Uh, Please sign up in the app or let Margaret know that you're going to be a part of it so that we can order books. And thirdly, I love getting to witness the church display the love of Christ to each other and to the community, and I got to see a lot of that yesterday. Um, Up here in the morning, I'm just going to walk over here and make sure this is turned off so I don't hear my echo. Um, Yesterday morning, I was up here, and I got to see Jen and Jasmine and Joy and, and some others working with our young people on Wizard of Oz auditions. It's super exciting. It's not too late to try out if you didn't get to. That's going to be taking place over the summer, and it's going to be great. I also got to see David Snyder up here fixing many of our toilets that have been having problems. Thank you, David. Um, I got to go visit Lorene Kelly and her community and see Mike Smith and Margaret and the Gibsons working hard to uh, do some big landscaping projects for them. And that was really cool. They're super blessed. Lorene already emailed me and said that uh, everyone was so excited for what happened. Uh, She was very excited. So praise the Lord. Thank you, everybody who went and helped with that. Then I came back to the church, and David Snyder and David McNeil and Michael Porch were up here mowing and trimming and taking care of our lawn, making it look nice. So it's always a blessing whenever I get to see the church working. And so I just wanted to say thank you to everybody. God is good. It's good to see his people at work. Um, So kids... Um, As we get ready to open Luke, today you're going to be a part of the service, okay? I have fruit snacks and chocolate and candy and dum-dums and things like that up here for you. And Miss Joy is going to sit up here and y'all are, I'm going to need your help, all the kids. I'm going to need your help with the service today. I have some questions for you guys and you're going to get to answer them. And I would love for the kids to come and sit up here at the front. Don't be scared. Um... And whenever you answer a question, you get candy. Now, I'm going to ask on behalf of the parents that you only eat like one or two of those now, and you save all the rest that you get for later and let your parents decide how much candy you can eat today. So if y'all come sit just up on the front row here, I will have some questions for y'all. And I think there might be a couple other out in the foyer. If somebody wants to make sure they know they can come up here and get candy. So, Luke chapter 4. I'll have some questions for y'all in a little bit. They won't be too hard, okay? 
Um, Luke chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 16. It says, He, being Jesus, went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And there in the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Praise the Lord. Does anyone know what passage he was reading from? From the scroll of Isaiah. I think somebody said it. Isaiah 61. He was reading from Isaiah 61. He was talking about the coming Messiah. So when he said, today scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, he's, he's proclaiming himself there to be the Messiah and the Savior of his people. And if you keep reading, which we won't today, um, before he left, their response was to try to kill him and throw him down a cliff. He was rejected in his own hometown. Um, but what I want us to focus on this morning is in verses 18 and 19. So Jesus quoted from Isaiah 61 here, and he actually stopped mid-sentence and sat down. Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2 go a little bit farther. And in the actual passage, um, he, stopped, he stopped with the coming to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and he left out and the day of the vengeance of our God. So the first part is a reference to Jesus coming to proclaim salvation. That salvation would be proclaimed among all nations and would lead to people from every tribe and tongue praising him. And it was starting there with Jesus coming. And we're actually still living in that time. We're living in the time of God's great grace and patience. God is withholding his judgment for now that many may repent and turn and trust in him, as it says in Second Peter chapter 3. But he's not going to hold back for forever. Jesus is going to return, as we looked at the past few months in First Thessalonians, and the day of the Lord will come, and it's going to be glorious for those who have trusted in him, but for those who have not, it will be a dreadful day of judgment. Jesus is coming soon. That's actually the theme of our summer camp this year. Jesus is coming soon. The day of the Lord is coming soon. Does that excite you or fill you with fear? Because it should do, it should do one or the other. Um, but I want to focus on this time of great grace and patience this morning. The time to, it says, proclaim the Lord's favor, to proclaim the salvation found in him alone, the gift of salvation that is available to all who call on the name of the Lord. Um, goes along with that, that passage we opened up in Psalm 67 with this morning. So for over two years now, at our youth group IGY, every week we have prayed for an unreached people group. Um, so an unreached people group is, is a, a group of people, um, a cultural group, that has had basically no exposure to the gospel. So there's hardly any, any believers there. Most of the people in that people group would have never heard of Jesus and would have no knowledge of the gospel. So we've been praying for a different unreached people group every week the last two years in our youth group. I think it's uh, actually been about two and a half years now. 
So why? And kids, I'm going to ask you some questions here, okay? So you get to answer and you get candy. Um, so can you answer, one of you, and Joy, Joy will just give out candy as you guys answer here. So what happens if somebody dies without putting their faith in Jesus for their salvation? Go to hell. Go to hell. That's right, okay? <laughs> Go to hell. Now, let me ask, is that bad? Yes, okay, we don't want people to go to hell. Yeah, those are answers. Every answer, yep. Um, so we don't want people to go to hell, right? Yes. Correct, yes, okay. So Romans 10 says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So you guys, who, who will be saved? Who's, who gets saved? Romans 10 said all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So who is that? Everybody who, yeah, everybody who calls on the name of Jesus, right? Good job. So let me ask you a couple more questions. Can they call on Jesus if they don't believe in him? If they don't believe he exists, can they call on Jesus? I'm still asking you guys questions. Can they call on Jesus if they don't believe he exists? No. Nope. And can they believe in him if they've never heard anything about him? No. Okay. And can they hear about him if nobody tells them? No, no that's right. And if nobody goes to them, they're not going to hear, right? Yes. Right, you guys are really good. You're answering a lot of questions. Okay, so that's why in Romans 10 it says, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So this is why we have been praying for these unreached people groups every week. We've been praying for uh, them to hear the gospel, for missionaries to go and bring the gospel to them, that people living in darkness would see the light of Christ. And we've been praying specifically for people groups that are considered unreached because they can't trust in Jesus if no one brings the good news of Jesus to them. And Jesus came, he says here, um, he came to proclaim liberation from sin and all its consequences. He came to preach the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom from those in prison, recovery of sight for the blind, and to release the oppressed. And apart from Jesus, we are all of those things. We are all of those things. We are poor even if in the world's eyes. We might look rich. Apart from Jesus, we're poor. Apart from Jesus, we're trapped in a prison of sin. We're blind and unable to see what is true. We are oppressed. And when we turn to Jesus, he saves us and he sets us free. So there is spiritual meaning in these, in these words. He speaks of spiritual freedom and salvation. Um, but Jesus doesn't only care about the spiritual. Okay, He cares for our needs too. Jesus hates evil. He hates injustice. And when we talk about our vision for the church, what's the first word? belong yeah to the body of christ second word flourish as disciples and go in service and mission so we're talking about like people going right here right and the service and mission part includes acts of service so physically acting out love and care for people and then mission sharing the good news of jesus with people so in isaiah 58 shortly before talking about the messiah God talks about true fasting 
being loosening the chains of injustice, setting the oppressed free, sharing food with the hungry, and on and on. So you got the service side happening there. And in Isaiah 61, God says that he loves justice, not me, but justice, and hates robbery and iniquity. So these things matter to God as well. And we live in a world right now that loves to scream about all sorts of injustice. Okay, it's, it's all over the news, everywhere, it's on social media. And sometimes people are hitting on things that are truly wrong. And a lot of times they miss the mark completely. Um, or sometimes they choose a very small thing and they make it into a huge thing while over here there's a massive injustice happening that nobody wants to talk about. Um, because our culture doesn't view things the way God does. They, they view them the way that they, they want to. As a church, we don't want to hop on the social justice bandwagon, okay? We simply want to care about what God cares about, amen? So, kids, back to you. Do you like it when someone does something wrong to you? No, okay? I don't think anybody does. Do you think God likes it when someone does something wrong to you? No, he doesn't. Um, so a lot of bad things happen in the world, right? Yes. You guys are getting a lot of candy. You're answering questions. Good job. Um, do you think that God cares about all that bad stuff that's happening? Does he care about the bad things happening to people? Yes, he, he does. It upsets him. Um, so just an example that our church is very familiar with. Our society, for the most part, ignores abortion. Okay? There is little to no news coverage on it. You want to hear about it? You're hopefully hearing about it in the church, right? That's where you're going to hear about it. We're talking about the most innocent and vulnerable life out there that's being murdered every day in our country. Like 3,000 babies every single day by people that are supposed to be caring for them. Like doctors are supposed to care for people, right? That is evil. That is injustice. The Lord hates that. And then we have industries like Hollywood who will say they won't film in a state anymore because it has a law that restricts abortion. So I just want us to see that the culture will scream about injustice, injustice while ignoring real injustice and actually approving of real injustice. This morning, I want to take a moment to share with you what is going on in a corner of the world far from here where I think there is a great injustice happening and see what Scripture calls us to do about it. There are a lot of things going on around the world, lots of evil things. We could spend the next two years talking about a lot of them um, and we would only scratch the surface. But I do want to call attention to two specific groups of people this morning. And the first is an unreached group, unreached people group that IGY has prayed for quite a few times in the past two and a half years. You may have briefly heard about them in the news in the last year, if you were paying attention. Um, they're called the Uyghurs, the Uyghur people. Okay, this is a people group that is over 99% Muslim. There are very few Christians, if any, in this people group. And they are a people group that China wants to just erase. Okay, they, they want this people group to be gone. And they're working hard to make that happen. They're, they're trying to get rid of their religion, their culture, their identity, and turn them into obedient 
Chinese communists. Um, there's been little to no new co news coverage about this, and there are a few videos out there, and uh, if you'd like, I can send them to you after the service. We don't have time to watch them this morning, but I would encourage you to check them out. Um, so I'm just going to give you a brief overview this morning of what's happening to them. So the Uyghur people are currently being put into what China calls re-education centers. Okay? Um, millions of them are being put in these re-education centers to be taught how to be good Chinese citizens. So we're talking about adults that are being taken against their will, placed in a center to be trained to love and obey communism, and the goal is for them to come in and learn not to question the government and do whatever, whatever it says and become productive members of society. China is taking people before they commit crimes and putting them in these camps because they think they might commit crimes. Um, in a rare look inside one of these camps, China invited the BBC to come in and take some video footage. And this was after denying for years that these places even existed. China dressed it up, they took down the watchtowers, they took down some of the barbed wire in the gates, and they tried to make it look pretty. But watching the video is still very disturbing. If you take a, take a look at what is happening, it is very obviously a brainwashing camp. And if what China allows the world to see is scary, which it is, then we can only imagine what is actually going on when no one is watching behind those doors. So these Uyghur people are, are essentially being put, if you listen to their testimonies, into concentration camps. Reports from those who have managed to get out and have been brave enough to share make that pretty obvious. Um, they talk not just of being brainwashed, but of being raped and tortured and killed. Um, this is happening again to millions of the Uyghur people. So kids, how much is a million? A lot. That's the answer I was looking for, okay? It is a lot. So a lot of people, a lot of these people are being locked up and hurt and not allowed to see their family. They're not allowed to see their parents, not because they've done anything wrong, but just because of who they are. Is that bad? I'm still talking to you guys up front. Is that bad? What's happening to them? It's bad. It, it, it is bad. Um, but we don't, we don't hear about it in the news. So recently, Georgia made the news. I think it's been a couple of months now because it passed some changes to its, its voting laws. Um, my encouragement would be dig around, read for yourself if you haven't what those laws are. They've been misrepresented, and a lot of people in the government have lied about it. And so we had Major League Baseball and sports and Hollywood and a lot of other people pull out of Georgia and say that they're not going to do business there because the law is racist, which I do not believe it is. Again, you can go read for yourself. But meanwhile, sports go on to China because they're making money there. And Hollywood keeps making movies over there because they're making money there. And Disney, if you, I didn't watch it, but if you watched Mulan at the end of its credits, thanks China and the Uyghur prison camp there for letting them film nearby wickedness. And so this is just like a little tip of the iceberg of what is happening to them as, as a people group, again, by the millions. This is a great evil and a great injustice that is being ignored by the world. 
And the people that are there, they're living like in great darkness. Over 99% Muslim. Allah is a false god. There is no hope to be found in Allah. Do you agree with that, church? There is no hope to be found in him. So where does that leave these people? It leaves them hopeless. Kids, where do we find hope? Where can we... In, in God. Yeah, we find hope in God. We find hope in Jesus. That is where the hope is. So there's a lot of actions that we might be able to take. You, you might contact your representatives in the government. You might ask them to intervene. You might choose not to watch or support things made in China. There's probably a lot of things like that that you could do that might be great options. But as believers, what I want to call us to do and what I believe is the most effective thing we can do is to come before the Lord in prayer. He is sovereign over all. And, and us coming before the Lord and praying should be our primary thing we do first for these people. Kids, up front here. Does God listen to us when we pray? Yes, he does. Does he care about what's happening to these people? He does, yeah. So do you think that we should pray for them? Yes, yes, we should. So one of the things we are going to do as a church this morning is we're going to pray for the Uyghur people. We're going to pray about the evil that is happening to them, and we're going to ask Jesus to set them free. But most importantly, let us not forget this, we're going to pray for them to put their trust in Jesus and find salvation in him, that God would somehow get the gospel into those camps. I can't imagine, after watching those videos, how I would get the gospel in there. But I am not God. God can take the gospel into those camps to those people. We're going to pray that missionaries would be raised up and sent to them. And it's important for this because even if they are freed from those camps, if they get free, if they do not find Jesus, what good will that do them in the end? As Christians, we should care not just about physical, but most importantly, eternal suffering. Right? Kids, kids, which is worse? To get hurt a little bit in this life or to spend forever in hell? Yeah, that's right. So we don't want them to spend forever in hell. So we want the gospel to get to them. And that's the first group of people I want to bring your attention to this morning. Um, the second group is our brothers and our sisters in Christ in China. Um, I think most of you are probably aware that the church in China faces persecution. But I think it is good to call our attention to this once again as it is ramping up. It's not something you're going to find much about in the news, if you hear anything at all. But Christians in China are facing many of the same things that the Uyghur people are facing right now. And Christians in China are having to choose between keeping their job and going to church. They have to choose between keeping their kids in school and going to church. Many get taken and placed in basement brainwashing sessions, as believers who have escaped have shared. They go on for months and months and months trying to get them to deny Christ. According to Open Doors, there are a lot of new restrictions on the internet, social media, and regulations on religion that seriously limit their freedom. Churches are constantly monitored, being closed down. Um, even many of the registered churches uh, that are in China, that are part of the Chinese government's denomination. Bibles are not allowed to be sold online. 
Those who convert to Christianity, if they are discovered, are likely to face threats and physical harm. Spouses will be forced to divorce if one of them comes to Christ. Neighbors report on each other to the government because they are rewarded financially for reporting when they see Christian behavior. Um, China has also been using COVID to keep churches shut down. That sounds familiar at all. Um, There have been increasing raids and harassment on individual Christians and families, and thousands of churches have been damaged and destroyed and confiscated all over the country. China went through recently and started removing all of the crosses from churches and replacing them with pictures of the president of China. So we're talking, we're ta- we're talking about right now the churches that are allowed to exist in China. The official church is called the Three Self Church, which China controls, and the government makes sure that they don't preach anything that doesn't line up with communism. If they do, they get removed. And those under 18 are not allowed to go to church at all. You hear that, kids, up front here? Hey, guys. In China, you would not even be allowed to go to church. You wouldn't be allowed to go to church. If, if, you, if you were found going to church, they would take your parents' jobs away. And maybe even take you from your parents. Is that wrong? Yes, it is wrong. And whenever they do find home churches, those are raided. Um, as technology increases, the difficulty for the church in China increases as well. China has a massive surveillance system with over 415 million cameras with facial recognition. It's a lot. The authorities will tell churches to put cameras in their buildings, and when they do not, they shut the church down. Um, Zion Church in 2018 refused the government's order and said their services were a sacred time. So the state security and police began harassing the members of the church, contacting them at their workplaces and asking them to promise not to go to church. Um, After a month of that being unsuccessful, they came in and banned the church and confiscated it. Um, The building. All the cameras are linked to the government database and are part of China's social credit system, which monitors the loyalty of citizens with regards to their tenants of communism. Chris Messerol, a foreign policy expert with the Brookings Institute, said that Beijing has now honed its ability to track people, not just in public gatherings, but in private. And he, he said this recently. What has never been possible before, really, is a surveillance technology that enables a regime to ban private forms of religion. Even the private messages and communications that people have are what they say in their home, or banning and effectively enforcing the ability of religious communities to meet in private, maybe not in a public church, but in someone's house. So they they can do this now. And on top of that, they've got an incredible array of geolocation data so that if you are trying to meet with certain people in private, they can actually figure that out and unwind many of those private religious communities as well. So most of you are probably here with a phone in your pocket this morning, okay? You're over in another country, you're, you think you're going to go to house church with your phone, and they start tracking you and, and breaking up the churches that way. So this, this is happening to our brothers and sisters in Christ in China, and this is just, just, again, the tip of the iceberg of what is going on over there for them. Yet in spite of that, the church in China is growing. 
it's growing rapidly. And it is believed by 2030 that China will have more Christians than any other country in the world. Kids, up front, you guys hear that? You guys hear that? Even though the government is trying to stop the church, they can't stop them. They can't stop them. People keep putting their trust in Jesus and more and more people are getting saved. Is that good news? Yes. Yes, it is. Wow, y'all have a lot of candy there. Good job. Um, the church in China is going through a lot. Christians over there are being persecuted. Uh, this is just a little bit of what's happening. But we know, if we, if we read our Bibles, maybe not by experience, but we know if we read our Bibles that this is not an uncommon thing for the church throughout history. If you read in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are put in prison for preaching the gospel and healing a crippled man. And they end up letting them go, but they tell them not to talk about Jesus anymore. So what do Peter and John say? Do they say, okay. No, they, they say, no, we're going to keep, we can't help but keep talking about Jesus. So they threaten them, they let them go, and John and Peter come back to the church. They tell the church, and what is the church's response? The church doesn't go into hiding. They, they actually, they spend time in prayer, praising God, and, and they ask God to give them great boldness to continue speaking his word. And it says after that, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they spoke the word of God boldly. So they ask God for the boldness to do it, and he gives them the boldness to do it. And then in chapter 5, they're arrested again for preaching the good news of Jesus. And again, they're put in prison. And this time, an angel of the Lord releases them and tells them to continue preaching. And then in chapters 6 and 7, there's the story of Stephen, who preached the word of God boldly. He was killed for his faith. They stoned him to death. And right after that, in, eight, in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says, On that day, great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And Saul went from house to house, dragging off men and women to prison for believing in Jesus. But those who scattered went preaching the word of God wherever they went. So just eight chapters in to the book of Acts, we already see lots of persecution. And if you keep going, there are many more stories of persecution. Sometimes the Lord rescued his people. Sometimes they died for their faith but they kept facing it. Did any of the bad things that happened to the disciples in the Bible stop them from talking about Jesus? Kids up front. Did any of those bad things stop people from talking about Jesus or did they keep talking about him? Did they keep talking about Jesus? Yes. Yes, they did. Wherever they went, they kept talking about Jesus. So, should bad things happening to us and people trying to stop us, should that stop us from talking about Jesus? No, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. This persecution that's happening to the church in China is stuff that most of us have only read about. Okay, we read about it. Maybe we watch a video. It's hard for us to identify with because we haven't experienced it, right? When you experience something, it's easier to identify. We've lived in a bubble in America that most Christians have not experienced in the history of the world. There's been moments of peace, of course, but not quite like we've had here. And our bubble of peace is closing, which is a conversation for another time. 
this morning I want us to focus not on us, but on others. Hebrews 13 says in verse 1, Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. The context here is for the church to love each other. Even parts of the body the church doesn't know. To remember those in prison is especially referring to your brothers and sisters in prison. Just as if you were the one who was suffering in prison. So put yourself in that place and suffer with them. If you are in Christ, if you're here and you're in Christ this morning, you have a family. Okay, we're, we're a family together. We're brothers and sisters, and we, we have brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers over in China. Your family that is suffering, that is being put in prison, having their jobs and churches and money and possessions taken away. They're being put in brainwashing camps. They're being tortured and beaten and raped. In Ephesians 6, we are commanded to always keep on praying for the saints. And then Paul asked for prayer for him specifically as he was in prison for preaching the gospel. We belong to Jesus, right, church? We do. We do. Sure, yeah, you can get candy for that. Jesus is our Lord. Do you want to care about what he cares about? I, I do. This is Jesus' bride going through these things. His church, his beloved that he gave himself up for. So kids up front here, you guys up front, look at me real quick. You guys understand that what's happening to our, our brothers and sisters in China, that people who believe in Jesus, they're being put in prison and they're losing their jobs and they're being hurt, not because they've done anything wrong, but just because they believe in Jesus. Should we pray for them? We should. Now, I personally prayed, and I went back and forth the past several weeks on what to preach on this Sunday. So normally I would pick a passage, I would preach, I would teach through it, and I knew this was going to be a little bit different because it's, it's, it's less scripture and, and more what's going on um, over there right now. But a few days ago I was talking to Pastor Smith in Belize on the phone, and as I'm getting off the phone, we, we didn't talk about anything about any of this, he stopped me as I, I told him I had to go. And he said, kind of out of the blue, Pastor, I encourage you to remember our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted right now. They, they need our prayers. We seriously need to be praying for them. And I was like, huh, because I've been praying that morning. And so that, that settled it for me. We must remember our brothers and sisters in China. So that might mean sending Bibles, it might mean contacting our representatives again, it might mean sending money, but firstly, it means praying for them. Praying for them as if we ourselves were suffering. And I hope not just for this morning, though we are going to pray this morning, but that we would remember them as we leave today. My wife, Laura, because we talked about some of these things at our youth group a few weeks back, and um, my wife set up an alarm on her phone at 6.11 each day. 
6, 11 p.m. Whenever it goes off, we stop and we pray for the Uyghurs and we pray for the church in China. So I encourage you to pray, not just this morning, but to figure out something that works for you to remind you to pray for those who do not have access to the gospel and for your brothers and sisters that are facing persecution around the world. So in just a moment, there's a, there's a microphone up here. We're going to spend some time praying together. And I want us to pray in faith, believing that Jesus cares about these people, believing that God will hear our prayers and act, believing that the gospel will reach them, believing that he will give the church in China great boldness to continue to meet and worship and take the gospel to those who have not heard it so that God's ways would be known in all the earth and his salvation among all nations. Worship team can come up. But before we start praying, we're going to sing a song together and recognize that as great as some of these atrocities seem, if you, if you start watching these videos, if you start reading about it, it can kind of seem overwhelming. And it can seem like, how, how could anything stop this? But as great as some of those things seem, they're, they're nothing for Jesus. Okay, Jesus has all power and all authority, and his name is great. So we're going to sing a song together about his great name and his power. And then I would like church for you to come forward and pray for the Uyghurs and pray for the church in China.